Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Cancer Fight Podcast, recorded in Louisville, Kentucky, and produced by the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. Cancer Fight aims to highlight the stories of fighters and survivors of all forms of cancer, as well as educate the public about prevention and awareness. I'm your host, Dr. Whitney Jones, a gastroenterologist and founder of the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. Welcome to Cancer Fight. Today, our guest is Bruce Dark, firefighter from Jeffersonville, Indiana, and colon cancer survivor. Today, he'll be sharing his story as we discuss putting advocacy into action. Bruce DeArc, welcome from Jeffersonville, Kentucky, right across the Sunny River. That's uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana. You were close. Sorry. So. <laughs> Kentucky. That's right. That's the, that's the fun part about a podcast. You know, you can call me out. Exactly. So great. Great to be here. Glad I can be a part of it. Great. Thanks so much. So, Bruce, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, You're in the firefighting uh, space over there. Tell us a little bit about your history and your work, and then we'd like to talk later about your cancer fight. Okay. Um, I am, a, as you said, I'm a firefighter here in Jeffersonville, which is just north of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I just started my 19th year. I actually started my 20th year. I just completed my 19th year. Um, so I've been in the business a long time, uh, firefighting and EMS. At this time, I am in the role of deputy chief um, of the department. We have a 92-member department, five stations. So we cover about 40 square miles in the city um, that we cover. So I work with, with the guys on equipment, on actually uh, equipment and uh, working with uh, cancer research within the fire service. I'm able to, to do that as well. A lot, of, a lot of training goes on with that, so I'm able to take part in that. Um, I'm married to Janet. Uh, I have two daughters. I have a 22-year-old, Kayla, who is a nursing student. And I have a 17, well, she'll be 17 next month, uh, Tori, who will be a senior in high school. Excellent. And so you're firefighting, doing your business, and then all of a sudden, something changes in your life. Tell us, tell us about your cancer story. Two years ago, it was March of 2018. I was uh, Prior, earlier in the year, I'd had a tooth pulled and had some, a little bit of sickness, didn't really think much about it. I had uh, a lot of fatigue started hitting me. I was losing weight. I was trying. I was working out a lot, so I, but I knew I was losing weight at a more rapid pace than I should at 49 years old. So I thought, you know, it was easier at 29 than it was at 49. But So I really didn't think much about it again. Just at that time, the flu was pretty rampant in the area. Um, so I was just thinking maybe the flu, talked to the doctor on the phone, didn't go in because didn't want to get the flu, if not. And they said, you know, just continue doing what you're doing. If something changes, of course, come and see us. And uh, so that change happened. I actually had a had some abdominal pain um, that I hadn't had before. And the evening of, uh, see, it was St. Patty's Day of 18. My wife had done a mini marathon. Her and my niece had done a mini marathon. And I'd picked them up over at Beckley Station over on Shelbyville Road. Came home, it was the day after St. Patty's Day, actually, that was a Sunday. That evening I was uh, in a lot of discomfort, a lot of pain all night and a uh, little nauseous, little fever and was thinking possibly appendicitis just by the pains I was having where, where I was having, where they were radiating to. Went to the doctor, they decided, they did a little blood work and said, well, let's get some scans to see what's going on. Was I was totally thinking I would be in surgery that afternoon or evening. Um, with appendicitis and after the scans come back, it was a total flip-flop. And that's where they had told me they had found 
at least two large masses, one in my colon, one in my abdomen, and then some smaller ones that showed up. So at that time, with the shock hit, you know, it's words you never want to hear, of course. And uh, stage four is, uh, you know, I want to be uh, the top of the list on a lot of stuff, but that's not one of the things I want to be at top of the list on. And so I was told that, uh, ended up at the hospital that evening because I'd had a had a bad infection, which was caused, the pain I was having was caused from diverticulitis. So they pumped me f full of a lot of antibiotics to f and when they figured out what the pain was. I was also, my hemoglobin was, uh, I was out of blood just about. I was down to a six on my hemoglobin. And uh, that was due to the, they were going to the tumors. The tumors were the size of softballs. Um, so the all the blood was going there, making them grow. And uh, so got me some, got some blood. You know, we uh, came up with the game plan, met with the oncologist the next day. And I was in the hospital for three days with antibiotics. Um, they did a colonoscopy at that time. Again, I was 49, so I wasn't scheduled to get one yet. There was nothing that had alarmed me earlier that sh says I should have had one sooner. Um, so we had the colonoscopy, and, and uh, luckily there was no blockage, but they did confirm that it definitely what it was. Um, from that point, we set up... Uh, meeting with the surgeon at UofL and um, sir, that was in March. Surgery was scheduled for, we were going to do four rounds of chemo to see if we could get any shrinkage. It wasn't for sure in my peritoneal lining if I could, it would shrink or not from the chemo. So we did four rounds. It did shrink enough. And so July of eight, July the 18th of 2018, I had my uh, resection surgery along with the HIPEC procedure, 10 hour surgery. Um, but after the surgery, I came out clear and uh, was in the hospital for two weeks. From that point, uh, finished up chemo. I had six more rounds of chemo. I actually did have an elostomy put in at that time for six weeks. Came out after six weeks to the day and got that removed and was on my way to healing at that point and uh, stayed positive the whole time. I never got down on myself. I never, uh, I, I just did not deal with negativity through this. That helped me tremendously through this and always knew that I was, I'm going to fight through this as I'm still fighting, but I, I won't give up. You know, I, I just keep, I keep chugging. I, as long as I feel good, I don't think about it. And uh, that is my goal now is to stay feeling good. So completed the six more rounds of chemo. I think I finished up right around the first of the year of 2019. It was going to, 19 was going to be a great year. You know, we went scans every 60 to 90 days. In April, a small spot popped up on my liver. Very small, but they had been watching it, and it grew a little bit at that time. So my surgeon and, and oncologist recommended that I go back on a, a milder form of chemo and to see what would happen and maybe set up a re, uh, liver resection surgery. So we did that. I did three rounds, uh, and it pretty much disappeared at that point. So, But in the meantime, there was a spot that popped up on my sacrum, pre-sacrum area. And uh, so we did a biopsy to be sure and the chemo was not affecting that. So we finished the three more rounds of chemo and my oncologist decided at that time to maybe it was time to look at other avenues like a trial or something. So we, we reached out to MD Anderson in Houston. Uh, we went there in December, met with the doctor and the team down there and they did a scan and uh, checked everything out. And then I just missed a trial at that time, but I was able to, come back home and do the same treatment as was in the trial here since it'd been out for a few months. So 
came back home, ended up doing some target radiation on the spot of my sacrum, did five rounds, killed the pain because the pain was, was getting tremendous pain in that area. And so it took the pain away and, and stopped at that time. We thought stopped the growth of that. And uh, then we started on the trial of a pill and immunotherapy drip that I'm, work, that I'm in the middle of now. I'm, I just, I'm finishing up my fifth cycle. I had a scan in April. I could not get to Houston due to the fact of the COVID-19 pandemic going on. So we ended up doing it here at UofL. Um, everything was stable. The spots they're watching. The sacrum spot grew a little, but they were thinking maybe I hadn't been in this trial. This is a very cutting edge trial that I'm on. They're telling that's what I was told this morning, actually. And uh, so it's, you know, they're still learning. You know, I'm kind of one of, the, I guess you would say a guinea pig on this. And uh, which that's fine. You know, if I can, I can be the lead of it, that's fine with me as long as it's working. And well, blood work's been great feeling good, everything's stable. So I'm considering that's a plus. So scheduled to go back to Houston, the, uh, July the 12th for a scan, checkup scan, and then meet with the doctors there to see if we're going to continue this or move on to another type of trial. Well, I, I don't think anyone that watching or listening to you would think that you've missed a beat in terms of your focus and your attitude and such. You must have had some really great support in your family around this. Um, nope. Help us understand that because my gosh, what a, what a great uh, battle you're fighting. Yes. It's kind of funny. I, Janet, we had just gotten married in uh, November of uh, 2017. So at that time I'd promised her a lot of adventures. You know, we were going to, we both love traveling. We both love camping and outdoor stuff. And I don't think she knew what she was getting into with this, you know, and, uh, but I don't know what I'd have done without her through this whole thing between her and my daughters and, and my family and my, friends my firefighter family I mean we're like family anyway because we're together so much and but everybody I've always been the person to stand up and help when anybody needs help regardless so it's kind of tough to accept that help and uh but I did and because there comes times when you need that help and this this whole past two years has really made me and I've never been a, a negative person at all I've always been this what I what you see is what you get with me but it's really made me understand to appreciate the small things and just enjoy life, you know, just do not, um, don't dwell on stuff. Don't, you know, there's always a, a light side to the dark side in my eyes. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's where I'm at now. Again, I'm moving forward. Janice, like I said, she's by my side, keeps me in line and, uh, she doesn't let me get down. My daughters keep me, keep me hopping. We also have four dogs, so that keeps us hopping as well. So we, uh, but we just enjoy life to the fullest. Bruce, as a firefighter who's out there saving other people's lives and probably faces some amazing challenges in the field, what kind of lessons did you take from your firefighting career and transfer uh, into your cancer fight to help you be successful? Uh, maybe one of the things is in the firefighting career, one of the things I love about the most is there's no two days the same. I mean, you, you never know what you're going to get into. I am now in the admin side where I do not run on every run but I have the capability any structure fire or automobile accident I'm usually on the scene in a different capacity now I don't actually get my hands into the mix now but it's still you always got to look at the big picture and think there's there's always there's always more than one way to, to take take something and uh and it's kind of the buddy system you know with in the firefighter service it's two in and two out two go in a fire two come out of a fire you don't come out by yourself when this fight, it's been two in, two out. I mean, Janet is with me the whole way, and or friends or fa anybody. It's always two in, two out, and that's my 
it's what I've lived on this past two years. How has adaptability played a role in what you've had to do? You know, it's, uh, I guess I've kind of taken it from the start. I mean, when the oncologist walked in the hospital, the second day I'm in the hospital, when we just found out, you know, I just looked at him and I said, you tell me where I need to go, what I need to do to beat this. You know, I don't want to hear the term, you know, you've got six months or you got, I don't want to hear that. I'm not gone until the big man upstairs tells me I'm gone. So I don't, I just, I don't listen to that. Just when I started my chemo, you know, they give you all the, the possible side effects. And you have to sign off on this and say, I didn't care. I said, just, where do I sign? I will tell you if something goes wrong, but I don't need to read that my eyeballs may bleed or, you know, I don't need to read that stuff. If they do, you'll be the first to know. And I, and again, I just kept that positive attitude to after I would get a treatment, I'm like, well, this is number one of 12. One is out of the way. I know I've got this week. I got to where I knew every day of a treatment, how I would feel. So I would plan my, my work schedule. I never quit working the whole time. I was able to work from home again, from the hospital. I was working from the hospital and, uh, you know, it was just, it, it helped my mind. It helped me stay busy and it helped me stay involved. And, you know, the guys would, they would check on me daily. You know, that would be, what do you need? You need your grass cut or you need this or someone was always checking on me daily and taking care of me. And, and I would, and I wanted to be involved with the operations of the, of the department. You know, I wanted to know everything and that helped keep my mind from, from straying to the, well, what if this hurts here? What if this hurts there? I just didn't think about that. And I still don't to this day. Right. Well, you know, you not only had this issue and, and dealt with it personally, but then you, you really pivoted on your disease and have done a couple other amazing things. And I'd like to talk to you about that. Uh, first of all, you really brought it to everyone's uh, forefront, the issues associated with firefighters and their increased risks for cancers. You want to yes. share some of that work that you've done and, where you are now in your department compared to where you were a couple of years ago? Yeah, I had been like, I've been in this role I'm in now for nine years. And prior to my diagnosis, one of my, one of my uh, responsibilities is safety and health, health and safety and, and fitness of our, of our guys. So all through that time, I've always researched, we knew, you know, you knew cancer was in the fire service and you knew carcinogens were bad and you knew different things would cause. So there was a lot of stuff we were working towards to help, you're not going to prevent it all the way, unfortunately, but to help maybe ward it off a little bit. So, and a lot of it is education on how to, you know, cleaning your gear, on showering after, after fires, just different things, eating properly, you know, is a big, is huge in the fire services. We've always been known for great meals, of course. Well, some of those meals may not be the healthiest meals. And so we've, we've really turned that table. We have those from time to time, but we've turned the table on that and, uh, so, excuse me. So with that, when I did get diagnosed, it kind of helped, you know, with, I was with the budgets, I could talk to the council and the city council and the mayor's been very open with us with uh, anything they could do to help us. And uh, the administration here at the fire department, we stepped up actually last year and we were able to purchase a lot of equipment, second sets of gear for guys because your gear has to be clean because it gets so much carcinogens in them. We got gear extractor, which are machines to clean them. We have, just numerous stuff. We spent a lot of money on stuff and it's easier to stand up and I don't want to say argue my point, but explain my point to a board of people who, when it's, when it's hit home and when it hits home, it's different than hearing about, ah, yeah, you read about firefighters in Colorado or Kentucky, even that get cancer. 
the, the mentality of, well, that's never going to happen here. Well, that changes real quick. And so I was able to help with that. I was able to help people say, look, it's here. It's right here. You're looking at it, you know, and this is something that we can, we can maybe help our guys as they get older in their career to, to, uh, to deal with this. So we were able to do that. And, and I've reached out a lot of the departments have reached out to me on some stuff in the area, which is, which has been huge as well as a lot of people in our area have stepped up and, and got their colonoscopies, you know, and which is the year that I was diagnosed, there was 12 guys at our department that went, that were not going to go. And so I guess, I guess something helped, help them do that. Very good. Well, that's it's incredibly important. And you've really raised the awareness of uh, our first responders exposures to a variety of carcinogens as well as lifestyle issues. Uh, and you've really spread that out, not just into your department, but across the state of Indiana. And you certainly helped the Colon Cancer Prevention Project refocus on that with our first responder work. So thank you for that. But that wasn't really enough for you, right? You just couldn't stop with firefighters, right? Right. Um, you know, we, we speak a lot about policy changes around the country and the importance of that. And we've worked on it for a decade here in Kentucky. But there's something about you, Bruce, that just tends to get things done. Do you want to share what you were able to do for the five and a half million people in the state of Indiana when it comes to colon cancer policy? Uh, yes, I was, I was contacted by the American Cancer Society. And at that time, they were working on a, on a bill. And I stay up with the bills in the state, mainly with, with the fire department, of course. But I'll, I kind of follow some of the others. So they reached out about a bill they were working on. Um, not just for firefighters, but for everyone to, to change the age from 50 to 45. And so back in January, they contacted me to come up and speak um, to the committee about that, about tell my story. And, and, and also I, I did that. And along with, you know, the uh, Brian Hannon with the American Cancer Society uh, was a, was a big part of that. And uh, uh, state rep, um, sorry, my mind went blank. That chemo brain happens sometimes. Um, it slipped me. I'll come, I'll think of it in a minute, but Don't worry. Uh, Rita Fleming, I'm sorry. Rita Fleming was, was a huge part of that as well. And, uh, but we were able to, to just talk to the committees up there in, in the house and, uh, you know, let them know how important it was. You know, if I would have been checked at 45, just because I was 45, I may not be talking about this today, you know? And, uh, so at 49, you know, four years had passed. And, uh, so that takes effect July the 1st. And, uh, so we're pretty excited about that. i I think they, they've got the word out. The mayor signed it in March, which was perfect, colon cancer month. I'm sorry, the governor, not the mayor. The governor signed that in March, and that was right about the time I was supposed to go up when that happened, and that was when COVID hit, and uh, everybody was locked down, so we couldn't do anything. But very, very proud to be a part of that. Right, and I think that's a great lesson for people uh, across the nation now. There's folks really working hard to get the age lowered from 50 to 45, which is the American Cancer Society recommendation. And the infrastructure in some states that's been put together and the efforts, uh, and then to, to really look just north uh, and, and, and find someone who worked with the great organization, the American Cancer Society. And I won't say single-handedly, but I know that your voice, uh, along with Dr. Fleming, who's an OBGYN physician, if I recall, mm -hmm. really instrumental in it. And I think it should let everyone know that if it seems like it's out of reach, it's really not out of reach. It's just out of your imagination. Right. Exactly. So, you know, congratulations. That's really going to help uh, the folks of Indiana and how they can begin to fight this. So, so after all this, 
what's your focus? What's your focus now? I mean, you've got a short-term focus with the cancer, mm-hmm. and but certainly you've got a little bit of a long-term perspective now. Can you yes. share that with other people who may be starting their cancer fight, either in terms of fighting cancer or, in your case, fighting for improved screening for cancer? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to – I think the biggest thing is – you have to stay positive, you know, regardless of what your diagnosis is. I think I probably got one of the most dark diagnoses you could get at that time, but I, I didn't let it get me down. And, and to this day, you know, yes, I have scans. I know some people really get freaked out when they get a scan coming up, but I do not. I just, you can't change it, you know, by, by, by being worried about it. So I think my theory is to stay positive and handle what's thrown at you and, and enjoy life, you know, every day, you know, like you said, short term is this cancer thing. Long term, I got a lot of stuff I want to get. I want to do, and one thing it has made me do is speed up some of that stuff. You know, I'm not waiting. I'm just doing stuff, and uh, you know, enjoying my family, enjoying. You know, still enjoying my job. I've got within a few years, I'll probably retire from this job, and uh, who knows what I'll be doing at that point. But but it will be. Uh, I'll be enjoying life, whatever it is. Very good. Well, you told me you're taking a vacation every other week during the summer, so. <laughs> I think most people listening will will find that an enviable position, but probably would not have wanted to go through what you did to get there. Right, right. And the vacations will be, I'm staying, I'm I'm doing a lot of social distancing. So we're doing a lot of camping, which is not around a lot of people. That's that's the plan. Great. Now, because you had colon cancer at 49, I'm sure that you've done a lot of work around early onset colon cancer and learned more about it. Your children are going to get screened at what age? Uh, they will be screened at 39. So actually my oldest has already been screened last year. She had an issue, stomach issue. So they went ahead because of, because of dad's issue, they went ahead and checked her and she's fine. But at this point I did have the genetics testings done and I know it doesn't say everything, but it came back as negative to everything. Uh, there was no markers. So it has never that I'm aware of back as far as great grandparents has not been in my family. Um, so, I mean, there's been other types. There's been a lung, lung cancer uh, and, and an uncle um, who was also a firefighter. And, uh, and there's been some other types of small. My sister had uh, melanoma, small case of that. But other than that, there hasn't been anything. So I think not that it has all to do with it, but I think my job has a portion to do with it. So environmental exposures. And, again, it's not just police. Uh, sorry, it's not just firemen at these. Uh, Correct. Many first responders, EMTs, police. Uh, yep. everyone. So that's a really great message uh, that you've taken forward. So Bruce, you know, knowing you, you know, cancer doesn't have a chance. What kind of messages uh, can you give about, about, you know, what you want to be remembered for when you're uh, looked back upon and all the stuff that's been going on in your life? You know, you're clearly a, a person who understands how to fight this battle. What do you want to be remembered as? I think maybe someone that had a voice for again, staying positive and that this does not define you at all. You know, if you let it define you, it will, you know, I've seen people and I've, I've had my moments where I get down and then I go to a doctor visit or I go for a treatment and I'll see someone there and I'm like, well, you have nothing to be complaining about, you know, seeing how someone else is going through it. So, you know, it's, so, you know, you have those moments, but other than that, it's, I think you stay positive and I want people to know that, you know, regardless, this never will have me, you know, regardless what happens in the future. I've always stayed positive and I know it's in God's hands. It's not in my hands. Great. Bruce, thank you so much for taking some time uh, out of your busy schedule uh, to talk with us uh, on Cancer Fight. It's going to really 
be helpful for those who are facing similar battles to you and can learn from your experience and expertise on this. Although no one wants to be an expert, you've no. shared a lot of uh, information with our teams and the folks who are listening to help them with their fight as well. Good. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. And I hope I helped someone through this thing. I'm sure you did. That's Bruce Dark, cancer fighter, firefighter, advocate, Jeffersonville, Indiana, joining us on Cancer Fight today. Thank you so much again, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today on Cancer Fight. To keep up with our work, follow Colon Cancer Prevention Project on all major social media platforms and visit our website, kickingbutt.org. Special thanks to our producer, Keaton Jones, and our director, Maggie Cunningham. Until next time, fight on, cancer warriors.